The Axe of the Blood God. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. I'm your host, Kat Bailey, and joining me today is a special guest. His name is David Brevik, and you may know him as one of the original creators of Diablo. He co-founded Blizzard North, I think, in the early 1990s. Uh, is that right, David? Yeah, that's correct. In 1993 is when we started, something like that. Which is amazing. Um went on to make Diablo 2 and eventually helped start Flagship Studios. These days he works for Gazillion where he's working on Marvel Heroes, which is a superhero focused version of Diablo or I guess you could say the action RPG genre. And with Avengers 2 coming up pretty soon, I thought I would have David on the show to talk a little bit about how Marvel Heroes is going and also like let's delve a little bit into the past but David Marvel Heroes 2015 uh, kind of a you've kind of really revamped the game a lot since it was originally launched could you tell me a little bit about that yeah uh, we have we (laughs) it's changed considerably since the launch Uh, we uh, have done a lot to the gameplay Uh, we've made it a better better actual gaming experience we've added a lot of depth a lot of uh, complexity, a lot of uh, a lot of heroes. Uh, we've kind of tuned things up and, uh, and made a much more enjoyable experience. We've made a, I think, a fair, um, a what we people would consider to be a more fair, free to play model. Uh, and uh, and so so much has changed. It's hard to even describe. It's a very very different game than when it first came out. When it came out, it wasn't super, wasn't well received. It wasn't very good. And we buckled down and made as many changes as we possibly could to really improve it. And we were able to improve our Metacritic score from a 58 to an 81. So that was a, a really big jump for us. And, uh, and it's, you know, that was last summer really that we started getting the re-reviews and I think that's an even better game today. So uh, I think that we just keeps getting better and better. A lot of people who initially reviewed Marvel heroes 2015 said that they felt that it launched um, too early uh, what what happened? Can you shed some light onto what happened there? Sure. Uh, you know, it's a it's a, a tale that you hear often, but uh, it is it's difficult to make games uh, in, at all. Uh, but this is no different than a lot of stories, which is that Gazillion started out. I came here to be the creative director on Marvel Heroes, but. Now I'm the CEO of the company. <laughs> so uh, a lot had to change in that time. We had a bunch of different projects and some investors in the, in the actual organization. And it had been years and years that they had been working on things. And then stuff started coming out and it was not performing well. And the investors were getting impatient. And and, uh, and it was like, you know, we needed to le- release something. And uh and we just didn't have the kind of time and money that we really wanted to to finish the game that we thought that we could make. Uh, and so uh, it came out and, uh, you know, sometimes you have to do these things, put them out before they're really ready. Uh, and I think our biggest mistake really was that, that we didn't label it as a beta, which really wouldn't have cost us anything to label it as beta. It would have been much more forgiving. And then once we felt the game was in better shape, we could have taken the beta tag off and then... Uh, people would have reviewed it, uh, and uh, we could have had this kind of live 
public, but you could still pay beta period. And that would afford us a, a lot more leniency. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, but you know, we'll, I'm sure that now we come out with features, uh, big features that have been long in development or something like that. We'll even put little beta labels on that particular feature, uh, and so we kind of learned how to manage that in a live service game, which we hadn't really had much experience doing. It's interesting that you talk about labeling because you're touching on kind of an issue in gaming in general where you have a lot of developers who will, uh, you know, we have early access these days, we have betas, um, that sort of thing, and a lot of users have become kind of confused by, well, is this meant to be a final product? Are you trying to get me to pay money for something that's unfinished? Uh, how, How do you tread that kind of nebulous territory with a game like Marvel Heroes? Yeah, I, you know, it is a growing period for the industry in general, and and I think for consumers, they have to. I, there are going to be stories where people are going to feel like they got ripped off because they invested in something and it, it never, you know, the developer didn't have the time or didn't patch it or whatever, abandoned the project, whatever it is. And then there'll be other stories where they paid and they felt like they got good value out of it, uh, and. So I don't know if there is a really a right answer or a wrong answer in these kind of situations. Labeling is very important, but I think that really you're kind of seeing the 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 underbelly, the guts of how games are developed and how difficult it is, and the consumers are kind of seeing that. I don't know if there's a right answer. That people just have to be really really kind of understand what it is that they're buying and what they're getting into and what the expectations are. They have to do a little bit more homework. Uh, when it comes to to buying some things as an early access or a beta and realize that there's inherent risk in something like that, even Kickstarter. Uh, and it may not end up being exactly what developers have promised because it's really, really difficult to deliver on promises for a project that may take, let's say, several years. Not only that, but better ideas or better choices may come up that contradict something that you may have said in the past. Oh, we tried this and it just really wasn't that fun or that great, or we couldn't get it working or whatever. And, uh, and so as long as consumers understand what they're getting into, I think in the clear messaging, then I think it's okay. But again, the consumer really needs to pay attention to what it is that they are, they are buying and be wary of, of promises because not all the time they're going to come true. So Marvel Heroes, for people that don't know, is, as I already mentioned, is an action RPG um, with a heavy online component. You're playing co-op with a large number of people. You're going on what could potentially be characterized as raids against familiar kind of Marvel villains and that sort of thing. And it seems like a really natural fit. Or that kind of genre seems like a real natural fit for the superhero genre because you're creating, you're, you're controlling... You know these these characters with really defined and interesting powers. One thing that I've kind of noticed is that with a game like Marvel Heroes, you just have such a wide array of characters that you need to put in. Um, that must be a lot harder than, say, a game like Diablo 2, where you're creating just a handful of really well-defined and incredibly well-balanced classes. Yeah, I. It's definitely a very different model than any other action RPG that I've ever worked on or I've ever even heard of because it's um, basically we're releasing a character class a month 
And there really isn't another game that does this kind of thing. And the characters have, I don't know, like 25 different skills and they have their, they, uh, uh, they can have radically different gameplay. Uh, for instance, a few months ago, we released Rogue. Rogue in the Marvel Universe steals powers from other characters, absorbs their powers, and uh, and can use them. And that's exactly what she does in our game. She can go around, she can touch other heroes and take a power from them, from any hero or villain in the game, and make them her own permanently. And she has, I don't know, 24 sl- slots, I believe, or something like that, 12 slots. I don't, it, it, anyway, a lot of different powers that she can steal and they're permanent. She she gets permanent access to these things by kind of picking and choosing your own your own power set to to deal with. You can play her as a melee character, or as a range character, or as a whatever you want, because she can go and kind of pick and choose her skills. That's a very different kind of character class than it's ever existed in an in action RPG. Uh, we'll do that one month, and then the next month it'll be. Uh, somebody that is really movement based and they run around all the time and like juggernaut and and he's got a momentum bar and the faster he moves, you know, then we'll do another character that's Punisher and Punisher has an ammo clip. And so his resource, you have to like refill his ammo and, you know, one of the, how, how big of an ammo clip he has. And like, you know, so there's like this completely different mechanic between each one of the characters. So they're not, it, it is, I think, whether or not we well balance them, that may be another story. But, you know, I think that, uh, 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 you know, having these variety of this variety of gameplay is really something unique to this game uh, that really make, separates it from any other action RPG out there. Uh, and it's a very different experience and a very different thing for us. And it's a new it's great for the audience because they can they can try something new all the time and, and, and find new ways to enjoy the game through a different play style. Who's your favorite character? And I don't mean like, who's your favorite hero? Because we all know that Iron Man is the best hero. But <laughs> I mean, which character does the best job in your mind of capturing the essence of that character in the game while also being mechanically interesting? Wow, that's a great question. Uh... I'm not really sure if I can label it down to one. My main characters that I play are Rocket Raccoon, uh, which I really enjoy. He, I think he's super fun. He's, uh, he's got Groot with him. Groot goes out there and kind of tanks and Rocket shoots back, you know, sits back with his guns and shoots things. So mechanically, it's very much like the movie where Groot and him are companions and they're buddies and Groot's the muscle and he's the kind of engineering wizard and he, you know, he has the guns, the big guns. And, and so there's like that, that, there's definitely that, that, that sense you get the, with their dialogue and the, and the way that they act towards other characters and the things that they say in the game really kind of captures their essence. And I think we did a really good job with Rock Raccoon. I also think that we did a really good job with with Hulk, he recently had a review where he changed kind of his mechanics some. That's another thing that we do. We actually update old older characters as well and give them new powers and kind of refresh them as well. Uh, and uh, so he just had his big review, and uh, and I think that he really feels awesome to play. He's smashing all over the place. He's jumping. He's, you know, as he, as he gets more and more angry, as he do more stuff, as he gets hit, as he punches things gets more and more angry and then you get this maximum anger and trigger all these effects 
Uh, and so I feel like he, he really captures that. And I also play a lot of X-23, and she's quick, slashing, moves rapidly, uh, has a lot of kind of brutal, which is uh, brutal strike, which is our kind of crit of a crit. She has a high brutal strike chances. And, and uh, so lots of kind of a build that I play is a bleeding build where she puts on dots, bleeding dots for people. And so I think that a lot of the essence of the characters is really put into the, the, you know, the, the design that we have, uh, as well as that combined with their actual lines and the way they deliver it in their costumes, it makes them feel like the character that they're supposed to feel like. Marvel heroes is obviously designed for a wider audience, but you come from a background of designing for, I, I, w- I would say, a, a dedicated niche. I mean, the original Diablo had its roots in Rogue and that kind of genre. How do you balance kind of that desire to have a modicum of depth with while still being able to draw in the kind of people who would deliberately go looking for a Marvel like action RPG? Uh, well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, we try and take game concepts that we are familiar with from more hardcore games, my own experiences, things I would like to see and kind of give them a, a you know, a light t- twist to make it as simple as possible and keep the essence of what we're trying to do uh, the same, but make it, I, I guess, a, a little lighter than it, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be so stats nerdy uh, that, that it gets down into the depths of, you know, where I think things become really hardcore, where there's maybe infinite choices on things. And, you know, we try and limit that so that there's, uh, it, it's, it, it addresses a more wide audience. Um, that's something that we've always done, even, even with Diablo, you know, uh, when games, when when people were making RPGs back then, a lot of the games would be, okay, you go into the room and now you have to hit one key to un, uh, you know, to take your sword out of the sheath, and then uh, and then another key to slash it, and another key to you know to parry, and you know, they, it, it was really really complicated, uh, and so and. Oh, I forgot to take my sword out. I forgot to say hail or whatever. You know, there's like it, it, it was it would, like these multiple steps. And we when we came out with Diablo, we said, hey, we want to take I don't want to have to go through all those steps. I don't have to press seven keys to take out my sword and, and decide what I'm going to do. I just want to click on the damn thing and club it over the head. So uh, I feel like, you know, t- distilling what is the fun out of these steps, multi steps really makes it a wider audience game and uh and we try to do the same with any kind of design task that we have we just put in for instance kind of an influence system which uh, is a reputation system the heroes already have reputation so we wanted to go with something that was that was similar uh to what you would see in, in other mmos uh and so we found a user-friendly way to make sure that people aren't feeling like it's really grindy, but it's, but it gives them something to do and strive for and, and influence makes a lot more sense. And, uh, and we were really friendly about the way we did it, where you just have to do one quest a week and that gives you half of what you need for, you know, on your weekly cap and things like that. It, it's decisions like that. I think that, that, you know, the day-to-day decisions of how 
grindy or how stats oriented you're going to be that makes something lighter or heavier. How's the end game content coming along? You know, when we launched, it was extremely thin. Uh, but now I think now with, you know, a year and a half, almost two years later now, uh, it's quite robust. There's there are so many things to do. It's a little bit overwhelming. Uh, the, 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 we have a lot of different, we have raids, we have uh, kind of these cosmic modes, uh, which, you know, are, are extremely difficult and they drop special things. Uh, we have uh, uh, a wave defense game, two actually wave defense uh, uh game modes one for two people one for five where the waves get harder and harder but the rewards get better and better over time uh we also have uh you know kind of a casual end game mode where you can go around manhattan for you can stay in there forever it's an endless mode where just waves of guys come in and you battle them it's there are 10 other people in the zone that you work with uh, and you kind of get together to defeat the when there's a boss wave or something like that. So there there's, and then there's different levels of the story mission. I mean, you have heroic and super heroic, normal heroic and super heroic versions of difficulty versions of the, of the story. So there's lots of ways to not only get to the level cap, but once you're at the level cap, there's tons of items to look for. Uh, each hero has five unique items. There's, there's special items you can buy, uh, with uh, in-game different in-game currencies, there's uh, rune words to make. There's artifacts. There's trading. There's a, a whole bunch of things that you can do. So I feel that once you get to the level cap, there's a, a wide variety of things to do that you can do for many many hours. And many of the things I play a lot, and and I'm not even close to maxing out a lot of a lot of the things that I could be doing. And it's hard to keep up as well, leveling a character to sixty every month, and. Uh, and making them outfitted and stuff is no easy task. We have, and so it's really almost impossible to keep up with the kind of the pace of the content, which is fun. Can I guess who the most popular character is? Sure, you can. Iron Man. You might be right, but you're wrong. <laughs> hmm. Rocket Raccoon. Maybe he should be. I'm not saying he should or should not be. I can see where you're coming from. Uh, but no stats show that it's not oh interesting hmm. i know must be some bug in our stats <laughs> that's weird well rock rock at raccoon's okay too i say that he's number two uh and groot groot's all right um yeah gosh okay if it's not iron man i can't be captain america do you have spider-man in your game we do it has to be spider-man right no it's not spider-man See, right. it, because it's a it, because it's a little bit of a, a a tough metric to understand because we it, it is a free to play game and we get so many people that come in and Spider Man and Iron Man aren't available as one of your starting guys that you can play and so it skews the stats uh, with the people that get the 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 most popular are the ones that you can start out as being. Uh, when you first start the game. So uh, we're heavily skewed towards that list of people that you can start as. Mm, I see. Does that so, make sense? Yeah, no, that makes total sense. But so who are who's the most unexpected popular character? 
Uh, Storm. Storm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. mean, Storm has a fan base. Oh, Storm has a huge fan base, but you wouldn't think that she's the second most popular character in the game. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is that is really interesting. <laughs> Look, you might just have a lot of girls who are yeah, really that, excited to have crazy. a female character. Yeah. So, free to play. Um, obviously a touchy subject, very touchy subject with our readership. Um, sure. You guys have done a lot of, uh, you guys have really overhauled the system since launch. Uh, could you kind of elaborate on that and kind of your thinking behind that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, it has been overhauled quite a bit. Um, you know, some of the complaints that we got at, at the beginning were, oh my God, heroes cost $20 and, uh, and, 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 uh, every, everything was so expensive. And so it, not only did it cost a lot of money, but, uh, they didn't feel, feel like people didn't feel like they were getting their money's worth. And, uh, and it's ridiculous. Turns out that we did have, I think two characters that were $20, uh, but most of them were not, uh, most of them were around $10. So we instantly got kind of labeled as, this greedy MMO, you know, greedy free to play game, uh, which I, you know, fair or not fair. It, I mean, there, there are, there were characters that were $20. Anyway, we realized that that was a mistake. Uh, and so we reduced prices quite a bit now, you know, I don't think there is a hero that's over, I don't know, 12 or $13 or something like that. Most of them are, uh, are cheap, are cheaper $7 or so I'd say somewhere right around there. And, uh, as well as costumes, we greatly reduced the prices on those, uh, and most of the prices are, you know, around nine dollars or something like that for a costume. But what, one of the biggest changes that we made was the way that you acquire the heroes. Um, in the beginning, uh, you could the way that you got an unlocked new heroes was through a random drop in the game. So as you played, oh, you might get lucky, and and oh. Rocket Raccoon dropped, and now I get to play him, and you'd be very happy. But we had sort of a couple different tales that came out of this after a short period of time. You had the person that played hundreds of hours and was just didn't make their prayers to the R and Jesus correctly and didn't didn't get anything. And then you had the the players that, uh, and so they were very sad. I've been playing for a hundred hours and. You know, I didn't get anything. And then you had the player that, oh, I've been playing for 50 hours and I've had three drops. But unfortunately, those weren't the three that I was really even interested in either. Right. You know, I, I, whatever characters I got, those I was really looking forward to playing Iron Man like everybody should be. And uh, and that wasn't what was dropping for me. So we had kind of these bad situations, feel bads out of out of pretty much the entire audience. So we decided to change the way that you can get the items that you buy in the game. And that was through this, uh, what we came up with this attorney splinter system. And what this does is that as you play, these attorney splinters drop and you collect them. And then after you've collected a certain amount of them, uh, a couple hundred, you can go and buy the hero that you want. And they, they drop at a kind of a regular pace. And, uh, and so 
as you play, you get to earn the hero that you want and you can buy the particular ones that you want uh, rather than having, you know, luck be the, the decider. And that made a massive change in the perception of what was considered to be fair uh, microtrans or fair, you know, free to play game. You could play play the game and earn what you wanted or you can kind of shortcut by buying the things that you wanted. So we greatly reduced prices and we made a new way that people could earn the things to buy, which was through this attorney splinter system. And since then, people really in the games really taken off and people really appreciate that they can play the game truly for free uh, the entire way through, never have to pay for any, anything. There are ways to get all sorts of stuff. Plus, we give we give stuff away all the time. There are daily rewards for logging in. We give we have little events and we give out gifts and we send people newsletters with codes to give give them stuff. Everything from boosts to costumes to uh, you know, little celebration for our anniversary. We had a cake, and you open it up, and bam! There's a bunch of experience that comes out, and unique items, and you know. They, they, so there's all sorts of fun things that we give away uh, all the time. We have these events running every week, literally every week, and uh, and so uh, with that, we've given we give away a lot as well as uh, as well as you can earn everything in the game by by just playing. So I think that really changed our perception. We lowered prices at all, and we don't hear any complaints about uh, about the model anymore. Uh, and people think it's very, very fair. So you can theoretically unlock every hero just by playing. Correct. Hmm. So, so there is premium content, but it's mostly a matter of I want to unlock this right now. But uh, so I'm going to spend some money. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. That's. Uh, it's. Uh, Yes, exactly. It's it's a kind of a time versus patience thing more than more than anything else, right? You know, some people are like, uh, I you know, I'd rather save my splinters for whatever whatever other thing. And I'm just going to buy this particular one because I want to play them right now or whatever. Were you kind of like when you were creating Marvel Heroes? Were was a free to play kind of my, microtransaction system based microtransaction-based system kind of mandated and you were feeling your way slowly toward what works? Uh, I wouldn't say it's mandated. This is something that I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I really wanted to make a free-to-play game-as-a-service game. I mean, that's the reason that I... And then to combine it with a... You know, it's it, that was kind of the next game for me. That was something I wanted to do. And then the opportunity arose to make it a Marvel game, which I'm a huge Marvel nut. So it was, Oh yeah, this, this is the dream come true. So the, uh, uh, you know, but that, that was the next kind of game. That's the thing that interests me the most is making a, an online persistent, you know, free to play game was the thing that I wanted to make next. So it wasn't really mandated by anybody, but it was obviously a trend in the industry where people were, you know, MMOs in general were converting from, subscription to free to play uh and it was starting to really take hold and there was other other ways that was people were seeing a lot of success this is around the time of the rise of zanga for example and their free to play model and then since then we've seen mobile and a lot of free to play stuff on mobile all those whether or not they're fair and how they're you know their models or whatever they're a different type of free to play than i think that we are but i see that 
you know, League of Legends is a great example of what people be considered to be a, a pretty fair model of free to play in kind of core gaming. And, and that's the kind of model that we want to imitate. And that's the audience that we're going for. And uh, and I think that uh, we've achieved that with our free to play model. But it was from the beginning it was always our intent to make it free to play. Among our readers, at least, who definitely tend to skew a lot more hardcore. And when I say our readers, I also mean our listeners. Um, there is a lot of anger toward the free-to-play model, and there is a perception that it automatically skews the game's balance. And, I mean, you look at a game... Uh, I'll, I'll just use Star Trek Online as an example, which has a somewhat similar model to where you are, only you can't unlike the, unlock the starships. Just you, you can unlock all the starships just by playing, but it takes a long time. Um, a lot of the starships are really, really good, um, but you know they're kept behind a paywall, and so that skews the progression. It skews the balance of the game. Um, how do you react to that kind of perception? Is it unfair? Yeah, well, that's. I mean, we want to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. You know that we we purposely didn't want to sell power and that is the most controversial thing uh that that I think that free to play players feel and feel like it's unjustified which by the way is the opposite of the way that they feel in asia but the uh um don't mind me edit- editorializing i find energy the most insane uh insane trend in the industry that i've ever seen <laughs> because i it literally it, it interrupts the gameplay loop. I want to keep yeah. playing and I cannot. Oh, it saying, works. Insert I... coin to continue, and I'm like, I'm not going to insert coin to continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, it sort of baffles me too. But the, uh, um, yeah, even when I play an energy game, I never pay to refill my energy bar unless they give me something for free to refill it. Um, uh, but yeah, the the point is that you know we wanted to avoid selling power. I mean. It, it, Inevitably, when you, if you are going to sell something, you can either sell cosmetic items, which is one of the things that we sell. The costumes don't do anything for your stats. They're just a different skin for your character. Um, sometimes they're more elaborate. They'll have different visual effects or different uh, voice. I mean, you know, some will change gender. Uh, we'll have you know Ghost Rider and then Alejandra Blaze as a as a costume that uh, that you know things like that. So, but that's not really selling power. That's just you know a different different look and voiceover and things like that. Uh, you could, I guess, make some kind of claim that that uh, you know we're selling heroes and that is you know selling power, but it doesn't really take that long to actually earn the heroes. Uh, so. I think there is that balance and you have to you have to get that balance correct and you can't make it so that the best items in the game are the most expensive or take the longest to get to uh, or else you get that perception. And so uh, we really try to be very careful about what we sell. We don't want to sell, you know, we don't want to go away with, oh, we're selling uh, we're selling unique items or things like that. We don't we don't want to go down that kind of path where you buying equipment or whatever that that just leads to all sorts of bad feelings in the community, in my opinion. And uh, and so we really avoided that. And really, the only things that you can buy, we, you can buy little boosts to increase your odds on some stuff uh, or increase the 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 your experience rate. 
uh, uh, your leveling rate, uh, but and then cosmetic items, uh, and uh, and then the heroes. But again, the heroes can be earned through play. How much editorial control does Marvel exercise over the content that goes into Marvel Heroes? Are you uh, uh, relatively independent? Yeah, I mean, we are. Uh, they they have to see and approve pretty much everything. But from a games systems standpoint, they have almost nothing that they say or do on any of the, you know, they don't comment on some particular unique items or, you know, or, uh, oh, we're going to add this particular item slot to all the characters or, you know, they, they don't they don't go into any of that. But anything that is, you know, kind of the visual look of any of the characters, uh, what we're naming them, any kind of the text or flavor text that goes along in the dialogue of things that they want to say, that kind of stuff does need to be run by them. But 99% of that stuff is just approved without any real problem. Uh, sometimes they'll come back and say, oh, you know, the, the buckle on those pants is not big enough or, you know, the shoes are the wrong color or whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, they'll make little comments here and there. Uh, uh, but oftentimes most of it just goes through without any, any problems at all. So they've been really easy to work with. They, uh, they approve almost everything rapidly and, uh, we've never really had any kind of major issues. There's been, sometimes we have, delays and things that we want to do uh because sometimes the rights on a particular character are pretty complicated and so uh we get into you know the the inner kind of politics we stumble upon the politics of in, inside marvel uh and what's going on with some of their stuff and the way that they they handle all of their ip uh but usually those are the only times and sometimes it's also a little bit more difficult to get cinematic stuff you know that uh because it has to go through not only the marvel group but also the cinematic group uh, and everybody has you know weighs in a little bit more in their particular about when things come out and and whatnot so if we're tying into something into a movie it makes it a little bit more difficult but for the most part it's it's quite easy and straightforward and we have pretty much full control over what we want to do in the game any good stan lee stories uh, yeah, well, I mean, we—he's in. Uh, he, we recorded his voice. He did some voice recording with him, uh, and and met him and got to hang out with him for the afternoon. We originally wanted him to recap and say all this, all this dialogue, and and uh, and uh, and we realized that that was just not going to be <laughs> possible. I mean, he's so wonderful, and you know, I, I just wish that I could be as as old as he is in such amazing <laughs> shape, and 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 uh, and really just so full of life. And so, it, it, just walking around with him is is really amazing. And you know, I've seen him at conventions. I've been been in you know on panels with him and things like that. And uh, and it's just it's such a treat to be around him, and the way that people act and react to him and stuff is just amazing. What, 90, 90 years old and still going? Yeah, exactly. That's, I, it's incredible. I think we all wish that we could do that. Yeah. Uh, what do you got planned for Avengers 2? Uh, we have a whole bunch of stuff coming up for Avengers 2. Uh, we've got... Uh, uh, um, some costumes for, you know, new costumes for all the characters. You're going to be able to start the game as any of the Avengers, including Iron Man, uh, as one of the free guys that you can start with. Uh, uh, and uh, we have um, a new, we have Vision is going to be our hero this uh, this month uh, as part of the movie. And uh, he'll have both kind of his movie look and, and comics look. 
Uh, and uh, then we have uh, uh, Scarlet Witch is getting her review. So she is she's getting kind of updated with some new powers and things like that. Hawkeye, as well as Black Widow, are also getting a little uh, kind of small upgrade, mini upgrade. Um, and uh, then we have a new game mode, an Age of Ultron game mode, where you, you take on Ultron and his drones. Uh, and that's the, that's kind of a brand new end game uh, mode for uh, for you know you and your friends or whatever to kind of queue up and and play and fight Ultron. Uh, so once you get to the level cap, that'll be something that you can do. So we have we have uh, I think there's more. I'm forgetting. Oh, Quick Quicksilver is coming soon as a team up. Uh, that will be maybe a, not the exact day and date of the movie, but right around there. Uh, so a lot of things that are going in uh, that will tie into the movie, the actual content in the game. Oh, we also have some stuff, some Ultron modes that are going to be Ultron waves and all sorts of different modes in the game as well. Though, you know, kind of Ultron will permeate the entire game. So from from Diablo all the way to... Marvel Heroes, how has your kind of understanding of the genre evolved? Uh, well, uh, I mean, it's changed a lot. So, you know, I, I played a ton of Moria, Rogue, Angband, NetHack in college and earlier. Uh, and so I, I already was in love with, you know, roguelike games. Uh, uh, and then so when we set out to make Diablo, it was, hey, I would love to make a modern version of those kind of games because I just I played endless, endless, endless hours of those games. And, um, and uh, you know, I, I love kind of the, the captivating parts of that, right? You know, the, the randomness and the... Uh, and uh, the unexpected and how there can't be a set pattern and I can play it over and over again. And I, those those were important things to me. And I think a lot of that core still exists today. Uh, and so, uh, you know, delivering it in a different way has been great this time. With Marvel Heroes, I was able to make, you know, an MMO version of an action RPG, which I had not done before, really. It was... You know, Diablo was <laughs> was mainly designed and was a single player game up until six months before <laughs> we launched and we invented Battle.net and uh, and said, oh, we got this great idea. Let's make it multiplayer. And uh, and then we can play over the Internet. What's this Internet thing? And uh, well, I mean, I knew what the Internet was because I, would, I had it in college, but it was no, it, it was very, very different then. Right. So um, as all the universities were hooked up to each other Uh and so uh, the you know we wanted to make that and 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 then Diablo and then we oh it's got to be client server or there's going to be rampant cheating so that's what we did set out with Diablo two we're going to make this kind of client server model but we one of the things that we wanted to try when we made Diablo two was we oh we would really like to make this thing called Battle.net Town and so you would kind of come into the world and you'd be in town and there'd be other people hanging out in town. And uh, and then you would go off into your private game and then with you and your buddies or whatever. And and uh, and you would all play through the game normally, but uh, but just as this kind of private group. But then, you know, EverQuest came out and these open world things. And so 
I, the next step for me was I want to make an, kind of a, a more MMO social experience to action RPGs. And that's really, you know, was the basis for a game that actually, uh, a game I was working on at Flagship called Mythos. We were going to do this. It never saw the light of day, but then, I, you know, and in fact, Diablo 3, this was originally the design to make, make it a kind of MMO type of game. And so finally here, I was able to do it with Marvel Heroes. And I, I'm really glad it creates a much different experience, I think, than you get out of other. And there were new, new challenges, design challenges, uh, ways that we had to do loot, uh, like all sorts of things that we never had to do. We had to change some of the ways that we did things. So I think that there's been an evolve. And then at the same time, so that's kind of how we evolved or I evolved. But there's been different directions that the genres genres gone into, like Borderlands and the way that they handle their random items and stuff like that. Or, uh, you know, action RPG means so much more now. I mean, many people consider things like Neverwinter Nights Online to be an action RPG because it's an action-oriented role-playing game. Uh whether or not that's a roguelike game uh, or a roguelike action RPG, uh, I you know I don't I wouldn't consider it to be that. But uh, but and I tr- trend and start try to stick with kind of that still roguelike underling, uh, even in Marvel Heroes where we have random levels and random items and uh, and random placement of bosses and and uh, even uh, random quests and all sorts of stuff and keeping that randomness alive to keep it fresh. That's really important to me. When you started Blizzard North, it was you, Eric Schaefer, Max Schaefer. What was what was that like? Could you, can you like put us in that period of time? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was three young dudes with computers and ten thousand dollars to their name. It was, it was <laughs> and just you know complete we had no idea what we were doing and no idea what we were getting into um we had met a few years before uh, i was working very briefly at this company uh, a clip art company uh they were I, I the company was a clip art company they had made a bunch of stuff and put them on CDs and then they over manufactured the CDs and they needed to, you know, they, they had boxes and boxes of these CDs just sitting in their offices and they didn't, they couldn't sell them. And Max and Eric were two of the artists there. And then they said, Oh, let's, uh, we, 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 their family knew the Tremils who owned Atari at the time. And they said, Oh, we got a bunch of artists, but we need a programmer if we're going to make a game what are we going to do with all these artists? Let's you know, let's make a game. And so they hired me to be the programmer and I met, you know, Max and Eric there and we were working on this game, but the company went under. And so I left and I think like, I was recently married and I, you know, I, I've got to have a job. And <laughs> so, uh, I left and I went to a studio called Iguana and, um, I was the first employee at Iguana entertainment. And, uh, uh, it was founded by four or five other people. And, um, and, uh, I was there for a little while, but they decided to move to Texas and I didn't want to move to Texas. And so I called Max and Eric up and I said, you know, what are you guys up to? Uh, how do you feel? I, I got, I made a bunch of connections working at Iguana. I think that I can get us some game contracts. I don't want to move to Texas. Do you guys want to start a studio? I think I can get us some work. And, 
And they're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we aren't we aren't doing what we want to do. So that would be great. We kind of st stayed in touch. You know, e even when I was at Iguana, they they continued uh, w working on this other thing and tried to bring it to the consoles, tried to bring it to Super Nintendo, the game that we were working on, a transfer from Atari to, to a console. And uh, but they were looking to do something new. And so that that was really how you know, we started it. And so we got contracts to do, uh, uh, game, uh, I can't remember what our first game contracts were. Um, there was a justice league task force. So a DC game, actually using the DC superheroes to make a fighting game that we, uh, called justice league task force on the Genesis. And that was our first get game. away from comics. Can you? <laughs> No, I can't. Well, you know, I love comics, so that was. Sure. <laughs> but that was, you know, that's that, that, this was all. Yeah. So it was on the Genesis, which <laughs> should date me. But the uh, uh, so this was, and we got, and so that that was really how we started the company was getting that game contract, and we also got game contracts to do uh, some football games, uh, and uh, on the Game Boy and the Game Gear. Uh, at the time. And so we were, those were, that's really with those, we were able to hire some employees and, and whatnot. And then through the, the creation of the, um, justice league task force, we, before E3 existed, uh, gamers would show their games off at the consumer electronics show in Vegas. And so we, and it was in Chicago as well, but, uh, we'd go to the Vegas one and, uh, we were showing off our Justice League Task Force game on the Genesis, and we get to the booth, and it's all set up or whatever at the publisher. The publisher was a company called Sunsoft, and they uh, and we get there, and oh my God, there's a Super Nintendo version of the game. Some other developers <laughs> make, and we never had talked. We never knew that there was another version of this thing. And we're like, oh, wait, that's that's really weird. And so we kind of got to know them uh, pretty well. And, uh, and the games were strangely similar. <laughs> well, how many different uh, directions you know, can you go with a Justice League fighting game? Yeah. And, uh, and so uh, we got to kind of know them and they said, oh, we're, we're making our first PC game. And we're like, oh, we, we, have, we would love to make a PC game. And so we went to go look at their PC game. And they had this little kind of office rickety, you know, it was like the little metal walls, a 10 by 10 little box on the floor <laughs> that they had set up in uh, to, to they were showing press or anybody that they could get to look at the thing. Uh, and so we went in there and took a look and it was, oh man, this game looks great. Uh, you know, we're really interested in making PC games. That's really where our passion is. That That's what we play the most. And we would really like to, to make more PC stuff. And, uh, Hey, we got a great PC game idea, if, and uh, and so they said, "Oh well, after we're done with this, then maybe we'll come out and hear your PC game idea." So, the game that we went to see was Warcraft One, and they were <laughs> Silicon and Synapse at the time, uh, uh, but you know became Blizzard, uh, changed their name to Blizzard, and then uh, and then right after they finished Warcraft One, they came out and we pitched them Diablo, and uh, that's really how the company evolved. Uh, such a different time. I mean, <laughs> I mean in yes. those days, so I talk a lot to Jeff Green, who was in the press at that time. Yeah, and yeah no, I, I know him well. 
he talks to me, he tells me a lot about how there was a real bias against real-time strategy or real-time almost anything in those days. Like the old school uh, press who had been playing games and covering games since the 80s uh, just said uh, strategy games are turn-based and that's how it is. I mean, was that kind of the same with uh, RPGs at that time, PC RPGs? Oh, God, yeah. 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 I mean, I, you know, Diablo is really, the, as far as I know, the first kind of real-time action-oriented RPG, you know, so the, uh, it, Dune 2000 was technically, I think, the first RTS, but Warcraft 1, you know, they, they definitely, it was right, right on the heels of that, and uh, uh, so, and then, you know, Westwood went on to go make Command and Conquer uh, after Dune 2000, uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the philosophy. Originally, Diablo was turn-based. When we pitched it, it was it was a turn-based game. And then after talking about it for a while uh, and debating it heavily, and I was heavily against it, uh, we said, all right, well, uh, we debated probably for six months. People were suggesting, hey, we should make this thing real-time. I'm like, it's going to ruin everything that is the essence of the game. Uh, it's and make it twitchy and it's going to take away the strategy, that kind of thing. Exactly. And I love having, oh, my God. If I make this decision, I might die. I, you know, I've got this monster in front of me. What of these seventeen things can I do? Should I attack it? Should I run away? Should I quaff this potion? Then I'm not even sure what's inside of it. You know, it's like, it, 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 you know, oh, what do I do? It's it's kind of desperate situation. And if I die, my character's deleted and my hands are sweating. And it's like, oh my god, I've spent like twenty hours on this character, and I don't. Anyway, I love that tension. And I was like, but the real time, it's just not, you know, you can't make these decisions in real time. That's, you're taking away all the tension. So we debated and debated and debated and debated and debated to death. And so eventually I convinced everybody that, oh, it's going to take forever to do this, to change it to real time. Uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, we're going to need extra money to do this. And, you know, it's like, because <laughs> cause Diablo was a work for hire project or whatever. It was not, we, we weren't part of Blizzard then. Uh, it was, this was before, about a year into making Diablo, then we became Blizzard North. Uh, we were Condor at the time. And so it's going to take forever. We're going to need more money. It's going to take, you know, at least a month, maybe two months delay on this project or whatever. And, uh, and, you know, I'm not even sure if it's going to work out, but I, I agree that we will at least mock it up to see what see what it's like. And it all worked and, out. And it all worked out. And uh, yeah, I still even today I can remember. You know, the day that I, 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 I in fact, I, I'm, I coded it up in an afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take forever, but I coded it up exactly. In an and I can still remember the the very first time that I clicked on. <laughs> on a skeleton and I was the, you know, the fighter and I went over there and I clubbed the skeleton and it shattered on the ground. And it was like, you know, the, the, the heavens split and the, the bay ray of light came down in my office and the, and the angels went, ah, you know, it was a, Oh my God, this is amazing. And, and that was really the kind of the, the birth of the, of the action RPG was kind of at that moment. It was really, it was, I can remember like it was yesterday. It was amazing. You and Max and Eric moved on, and Bill Roper moved on to Flagship Studios. And I don't mean to delve too hard and too deeply into what's probably a difficult time, but um, it's been almost a decade now since 
flagship uh, closed shop. Um, can you you want to like do a quick eulogy for it? Sure. Yeah. No, I don't mind talking about it at all. I'm really proud of the stuff that we did there. Mm-hmm. Quick eulogy. Sure. Uh, so, you know, when we 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 went out and and started our own company again, something that we had not done in a long time, and we were afforded many luxuries that were uh, that. <laughs> the reality of the way that the games industry had changed. And, uh, you know, I think that we were naive in the way that we handled a lot of the situations just simply because we were, we had become blizzard, this giant company that could afford to cancel things and delay things and put it out when we wanted to, because we were making enough money to do those kind of things. Uh, and the reality of starting a brand new shop, doing a AAA game, the amount of money it costs, really getting the support you need, uh, and the amount of time and energy it takes to do all of those things were just, they were beyond our comprehension at that point. And uh, I think that uh, as we went along, we understood more and more about how difficult this was going to be and, and what kind of situation we were in. And we also felt like, though, that we had had at that point, we had kind of split ourselves really thin, Uh, even though we had had a lot of different support from many different organizations. We then had 27 different masters, basically. And uh, we had originally signed with Namco, but the people we signed with were all fired within six months of us getting there. And so we, you know, then Namco wasn't really they, they, they didn't even know what to do with us. Uh, they were still very supportive and they did everything that they were supposed to do, but they, but they weren't going to publish the game. Uh, they didn't have a PC publishing business. So then we needed to get EA on board and then we needed, and then we had a bunch of stuff with Microsoft and a special deal there. And they were doing, we were doing direct X 11 stuff for them. And Intel was doing some special stuff with them. And we were, so we, we ended up having like split ourselves amongst all these different things. In fact, we didn't have a platform because Namco was going to be making this platform that we were going to plug into. So then we had to create a second company to to actually create this platform. And that was called Ping Zero. And they were upstairs in the same building. And we that was a completely separate company. We need to hire new engineers and build that thing from scratch. And so it ended up being a much more difficult and much bigger project than we anticipated. Plus, the hype was sky high for the game. Uh, and in the end, I think that we made a a good game. I think that it could suffered from being released too early as well, even though it took us five years to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, but I think that the premise of the game was a little bit of ahead of its time doing a first person roguelike game, uh, was really kind of the, the, the pitch that I made to the team about what we were going to do. And, uh, and everybody was on board. Uh, and I think that, that even, you know, Borderlands and some other games have, have kind of gone down that direction and, you know, everything has kind of gone a little bit. Our shooters have merged into character classes and, and kind of RPG elements that didn't exist at the time. And so I think it was a little ahead of its time. Um, uh, so I'm really proud of what we accomplished there, but it was, it was very difficult. I was trying to help run the company. I was still doing coding on the project. I did all the like collision in the game and coded a bunch of quests and all sorts of things like that. And I was trying to do design work and, you know, I I just, I was wearing three hats poorly instead of doing one thing well. Uh, and so that was one of the big changes that I made when I came here to Gazillion was that. 
I came in to be creative director and then it was apparent that I needed to help work on the company. And then as more people on the board and et cetera saw my capabilities, uh, you know, it became apparent that I needed somebody to do the creative directing job. I couldn't do that in the long term. I needed to actually run the company. And that's what I do now. I'm the CEO of the company and I'm involved in Marvel Heroes and I help do design and things like that, but I'm not implementing anything and I'm not doing any coding and I'm not doing the kind of things that I did in the past where I did I did a lot of the work uh, in Diablo 1. I did a lot of the coding as well as design and things like that. So uh, uh, I've gone away from that direction and being more of focusing on the one job and doing it well. Uh, and that was the biggest lesson learned. Uh, while you were doing all of this, Blizzard was making Diablo 3, and you were, <coughs> sorry, um, you were somewhat uh, outspokenly critical about it. Um, how do you feel about Diablo 3 these days? Oh, I think that they've improved Diablo 3 considerably. I think that it's a much better game than when it, than when it came out. They've fixed a lot of the problems that I, that I personally would have, I, I would have gone a different direction than they did on um and i think that it's a it's a much more enjoyable game they've got a lot of things in there that people are really excited about and and constantly i hear nothing but good things and praise from a lot of people uh i personally don't play it a whole bunch i have i played the campaigns you know i played through the story uh 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 but uh you know it's i again i'm focused on marvel heroes so i don't really play it all that much but i do hop in and see some of the new systems that they that they're coming up with and kind of the direction that they're taking the game and overall i think that uh their story is kind of uh, similar in some ways to marvel heroes and that you know i don't think that diablo 3 had the best reception of all time and and i think that now people consider it to be a good very good game and, uh, and it's funny because people don't really remember this about Diablo 2, but Diablo 2 was the same way. Mm. When Diablo 2 came out, it was not super well received. And only after we came out a year later when we came out with the expansion and fixed a lot of the problems that people had with Diablo 2, then people now, you know, in hindsight, people today don't remember the the one year that was in there that was kind of a rough year for the game, it was still well received, but it was not like it was, it was a lot of, I think our, most of our scores were lower than Diablo one, uh, from a critical standpoint. And so people the, were unhappy uh, about the bugs. Yeah. People were unhappy about the bugs and all sorts of things like that. And so, and even some of the features that we had and didn't like some of the depth and, and whatnot. So I, I think that, you know, going back now and, and, you know, you're seeing through rose colored glasses and, and that people remember things how they are now, not maybe how they originally were. Even, you know, war, war, World of Warcraft had a really rough launch. You know, they, they, like, they're, they're, this happens often in the industry and, uh, and some people are afforded more leash than others. Uh, and, but I think that at this point, uh, you know, Diablo 3 is a, is a much better game than when it first released. The funny thing about Diablo 3 is that it's partly a, a much better game because they more or less disavowed a lot of their original direction. They got rid of the auction house. They completely changed the way that they were... Well, they made loot a lot more plentiful and a lot more easy to get. And right. they put in an actual endgame that didn't involve going through the same campaign over and over again. And then that's... Right. Essentially, they went back to basics. They went back to the, the blueprint that you guys created with the game. And shockingly, 
it worked. People liked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think that those changes did make a big difference. That's for sure. And But, but with Marvel Heroes, like you guys kind of, it, it seems like you guys came in, uh, you, you released maybe a little earlier than you wanted to, um, and you didn't so much disavow your original model as iterate on it, I suppose, or figure out what well, worked just, and then moved on. Right. I mean, we weren't able to do, we didn't have the time to make all of the things that we wanted. We didn't have difficulty levels. We didn't have like, I mean, there was like all sorts of things that we didn't have in the game yet that made it, uh, of things that we knew we wanted to make, but we just had not had the time to, 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 to put them in. And, uh, so it came out thin right with basically almost no end game and, and very little options on how to get to 60 and things like that so it was uh our, our problem was just kind of more of a lack of content than than really uh and, but knowing that we wanted to actually where we wanted to go with the product and put these features in and they were all planned but we knew that it was going to take six to six months to a year to get all that stuff in and uh and sure enough a, a year later it's a much better or now even a year and a half later it's a much better much more robust game with a lot of a lot of content a lot of things that you can do to get the level cap and a lot of things to do at the level cap what's the future of marvel heroes uh well it's bright uh i you know <laughs> we, continue, <laughs> we continue to grow we we're going to continue to add new features new uh new content new heroes we you know we got a bunch of heroes coming up this year. You, there's uh, um, Doctor Doom is our uh, hero that you can play in 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 June, uh, and uh, that we have uh, you know the the other Marvel movie coming out this summer. You can imagine where we're going with that, and uh, and then into the future we've got some. Uh, unified story stuff that we're going to be doing. We're going to make some improvements to PVP. We'd like to get in ladders. So there's a whole bunch of things in the future that I think that will, uh, that will continue to, uh, Oh, one of the big things that we're going to be doing is this, um, is, uh, the, uh, danger room, which is kind of a, a random map system thing. And, uh, so, uh, you know, I think that we're going to continue to add a bunch of features to the game, make it more and more robust and, uh, and make it more of a social experience. And we've got a bunch of improvements, actual technical improvements still coming to the game and, and whatnot. Uh, we're going to be adding more raids, all sorts of things. So more content, more fun things to do, and even more robust systems that will allow for eventually, you know, in-game emails and all sorts of things like that, that, that make it a more MMO experience as well. Where can I find your game? Uh, at com. Just go to the website. You can register and download the game. It's all free, and uh, that's the best way to get a hold of us. You can get to hold of us on, uh, you know, we have our Twitter, Twitter at Marvel Heroes, and our um, and uh, my personal Twitter account is at David Brevik, and, uh, and we've got uh, uh, my Twitch. Uh, I stream the game about four nights a week or so. And I play with the community and I answer questions and do things like that. And uh, you can find myself and my wife play together and uh, we use her Twitch account at the Jungle Queen uh, as, uh, as our, our Twitch stuff. So you can come, come join us and watch us and we'll talk about the game. 
bracing yourself for the big influx of people that's bound to come with <laughs> Avengers 2? So, yes, yes, we are. Yeah, winter is coming kind of thing. You know, the, uh, the, uh, we've, uh, yeah, we are, uh, we have. <laughs> All those white walkers from their mom's basement. <laughs> Anyway, yes, uh, we are we are getting prepared and we are ready for the influx and we're excited about it. And if you want to follow me, I'm at the underscore catbot. Go to usgamer.net, read, review, and rate our podcast over on iTunes. And, of course, follow everything US Gamer related on Twitch, on Twitter, on YouTube, and all of those fun social media channels. That would be US Gamer.net. David Brevik, thanks for dropping by and dropping some interesting stories. And good luck. My pleasure. Thank you. And for the rest of you, happy adventuring.